Welcome to Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy. This is Thursday, June 4th, and I'm so excited to have a special guest with us today. I've asked Dr. Daryl McCarthy to give us some insights into what is happening across our nation in terms of unrest and political posturing. Daryl, as many of you may know, is a gifted speaker and thinker. He is vice president of the European Leadership Forum and spends most of his working normal hours in and out of Europe. He's a scholar, an outstanding leader, my favorite preacher, and of course, my husband. Welcome, Daryl, and thanks for joining us today on Truth Matters. Well, thank you, Terry. It's great to be with you. Well, Daryl's topic today is racism real in America and how we should respond to Black Lives Matter. Daryl? Thank you. I've got to admit that uh, the last few days I was really, was really distressed by the number of friends and family members who were posting Black Lives Matter hashtags and hashtag Blackout Tuesday. And it really, really disturbed me. It worried me. And I know that all my friends and family members who are rushing to put on these hashtags mean well. I, I think it's their way of saying, we're white, but we're not racists. But I would ask them and others to reconsider what they're actually endorsing. As I mulled over this message of the Black Lives Matter, it struck me that there are two considerations that most evangelicals are not considering. Number one, Black Lives Matter is actually hypocritical. And more seriously, I see Black Lives Matter is actually a new and insidious form of racism. So let me explain. First, Black Lives Matter is hypocritical and is not really concerned about black lives at all. And here's how we know this. If Black Lives Matter really cared about black lives, they would be protesting the thousands of murders of black citizens every year by other blacks. As you mentioned on your podcast the other day, the leading cause of death for black men in their 20s is assault by not white people, not Asians, but African Americans. You haven't heard about those protests? No, I didn't think so. Second, if Black Lives Matter really cared about black lives, they would be crying out against the thousands and thousands of black babies who are killed every year through abortion on demand. More black babies are aborted per capita than any other racial group. In fact, tragically, one of the goals of Margaret Sanger, the racist who founded Planned Parenthood, her goal was to keep the black population down because in her words, these are her words, they were the population least intelligent and fit. Talk about a racist organization, Planned Parenthood. And that's why most all the early civil rights leaders, such as Martin Luther King Jr., Ralph Abernathy, and Jesse Jackson, were absolutely united in their stand against abortion. They called it genocide. They compared it to slavery. Now, sadly, after the tragic murder of uh, King, Jackson changed his position in order to gave, gain favor with the Democratic Party because the party line was required to be pro-abortion. But Abernathy preached against abortion until his death. 
Now, have you seen the Black Lives Matter protest against the genocide of black babies? No, me neither, because they haven't happened. Next, if Black Lives Matter really cared about black lives, they would want better police protection for their neighborhoods and their children, not less. Instead, one of the primary goals of Black Lives Matter is, their words, national defunding of police. I read on the news just this morning that when the LAPD offered to cut their police budget by $150 million, Black Lives Matter said, oh, not enough. You need to cut more. Now that's when you know they really don't care about making dangerous black neighborhoods safer. They really don't care about the black children that are being gunned down by accidental shootings in the black neighborhood. Have you read about any Black Lives Matter protests over the several black officers who have been killed during these protests over these last few days? No, I didn't think so. So why does Black Lives Matter protest the death of the criminals, but not the death of black officers who are sworn to protect innocent black citizens and children? They don't care. If Black Lives Matter really cared about black lives, they would not sanction the wanton destruction of black businesses and the killing of black business people through the rampage of looting and destruction, which has now stopped bus services and reduced many black neighborhoods to a bare survival state. Such destruction is contrary to everything Martin Luther King fought for. Actually, when he received the Nobel Peace Prize, he said, civilization and violence are antithetical concepts. Yet more black lives have been taken during this recent protest and looting rampage than white lives. So strangely, for all their feigned concern for black communities, I haven't heard any liberal politicians, black or white, lamenting this destruction. And if Black Lives Matter really cared about black lives, they would protest the reckless and deliberate, deliberate killing of so many black police officers every year by black criminals. How many leading pastors, black or white, have you seen marching in solidarity and sympathy for the families of the slain black police officers? It's as if black police officers are considered traitors and they're not considered worthy of respect or sympathy. That's why I say Black Lives Matter is hypocritical, raw, raw hypocrisy. Now, secondly, I would ask you to consider this. Now, this is going to be a strong statement, but I believe Black Lives Matter is simply a new form of racism. And informed, many informed African Americans agree with me that it is. It is insidious, however, because it hides under a cover of being against racism. That's why it's so deceptive. So to white evangelicals, it seems so virtuous to endorse Black Lives Matter. But by endorsing it, you are endorsing a far left group with a militant and very liberal racist uh, political agenda. In fact, Black Lives Matter is clear about its agenda. Have you looked at its website? Look, take a look at it. That's all you need to know. 
One of their major causes is fight, quote, economic injustice. What does that mean? Well, it's code for take money from people who work and give it to those who don't. Another goal, defend LGBTQIA plus rights. That's code for make everyone who opposes the LGBT movement shut up. And, quote, voter rights and suppression. What does that mean? Well, it means make sure blacks can vote without any voter ID. All this is from their website. Nowhere on their website, not one place is there any mention of improving race relations. So if you think that by endorsing Black Lives Matter, you're showing your support for better race relations, you have been deceived, badly deceived. That is not their goal at all. And they make no pretense that it is. At least I guess we could say they're honest in that regard. Well, let me explain why I think Black Lives Matter is a subtle form of racism. Here's the core of the Black Lives Matter message. Now, this is in my words. I'm, I'm translating it. Because the ancestors of many African Americans were brought to America and held as slaves, and because of Jim Crow laws and segregation, which were practiced in the South for many decades, and because there were so many cases, there have been so many cases of police brutality and injustice over the years, well, because of all that, blacks are excused if they want to loot, steal, riot, break the law, kill, and commit other crimes, both against fellow blacks and other races as well. Now, that, that's my translation. But that means that at its root, the Black Lives Matter premise is a serious diminution of blacks. In other words, Black Lives Matter is actually anti-black. They're basically saying most blacks are incapable of obeying the law, keeping a job, or getting voter ID like everyone else is expected to do. Oh, I remember years ago when I heard the famous black Christian leader John Perkins who founded Calvary Ministries down in Mindenhall, Mississippi. He described the welfare system, which the Democrat Party set up, as the new version of the white man's plantation. Just another way to keep the black man down and dependent, which it has certainly done. But sadly, the same thing could be said about the Black Lives Movement. Considering someone of another race as less capable of good, lawful, and virtuous activity simply because they are of that race is racism pure and simple, even if it is said by members of that race themselves. But that is precisely the underlying message of the Black Lives, Black Lives Movement message. And it simply isn't true. You know it isn't true. Think about your fellow workers, your friends, members of your church, or your neighbors who are black. You know the Black Lives Matter narrative is false. It's patently false. But that's where we are today. Black Lives Matter does not give any credit to the overwhelming majority of African Americans, several of whom are my neighbors and friends, who are great citizens, raising their families, obeying the law, working hard, paying their taxes. They're definitely not looting, stealing, or killing, but they're wonderfully serving their communities, pledging allegiance to the American flag, serving in the military, protecting their communities as police officers, going to church, 
and worshiping God. So, to all my white evangelical friends, please reconsider jumping on the racist bandwagon of Black Lives Matter and Blackout Tuesday. Think again. Truth matters. Facts matter. And that's why millions of African Americans stoutly oppose the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement, including leading scholars, two of my heroes, Thomas Sell, who's at the Hoover Institution at Stanford, and Walter Williams, professor of economics at George Mason University, along with many other black leaders, including the former civil rights leader, Bob Woodson, who flatly denies there is systemic racism in America. Of course, the one and only articulate Candace Owens, and those dynamic and very funny sisters, Diamond and Silk. So please, don't fall for the Black Lives Matter lie. Facts matter, and the facts do not support the lies of the Black Lives Matter movement. Truth matters, but the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't really care about the truth. Listen to other black voices, serious, reflective, honest voices, and you will quickly see the difference. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl. I had a few people write in some questions. Do you have time to do a little question and answer? Sure. I've got some chores that my wife asked me to do today. <laughs> but before I start those, yeah, I could take a little time. Maybe I can talk to her. Take You talk to her. <laughs> Okay, number one, a friend asked, do you believe that any mention of Black Lives Matter is in support of the organization and not just the idea? Can you respond to this? So can I say hashtag Black Lives Matter and not support the organization, but do support the idea? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I think most people who use the hashtag don't, really know the true philosophy or the roots of the organization. So probably most people are simply trying to signal, I'm not a racist, but that's a very bad way to say it because essentially they're buying into a racist message. In the process of endorsing these hashtags, they're lending support, unknowingly to be sure, to a, an extreme leftist philosophy that fosters class divisions and actually is feeding racial strife and is offensive to the mainstream law-abiding black citizen. It's a slap in the face of the law-abiding black citizen. The issue is branding. Certain words come to mean certain things. And even if the person using these terms is not fully aware of their meaning, they are unwittingly lending support to the cause which has branded these words. For several years, I even gave sermons about social justice. And then a friend of mine in Liechtenstein said, do you realize what social justice really means? And I said, well, I thought it meant social justice. He said, no, it means redistribution of wealth. It means essentially socialism and statism, having the state solving the problems of individuals that feel like they're left out. Uh, another phrase that's very popular these days is, my body, my choice. Now, someone might use that phrase to protest against mandatory vaccination, which 
with this coronavirus thing going, we may have to protest. But the pro-abortion movement has unfortunately already branded that phrase to signify my body, my choice to kill my unborn baby. So it's not as simple as, well, I didn't mean that with those words. We can't get off with that. The words are branded. They mean certain things. Black Lives Matter carries a brand of racism and actually hatred of whites and other races. There are many good ways, besides hashtags, to signal that we've affirmed the value of all races and that we're committed, as we all must be, to work for good relations among all races. So stay away from the hashtags. Stay away from movements that we don't understand and simply live it out excellent i have another question uh you're a white educated middle class older male from southern missouri do you personally believe racism is prominent in our nation today why or why not and do you see signs of racism in our country well a quick answer is i would i don't think it is prominent now Having said that, I would say that in every country, in every culture, there are racists, people who make judgments about others based solely on their race. I've met racists. I've seen them. We, we see this with, for instance, the Roma population in Europe. They're pretty well the same skin color as the rest of the populace, but there's lots of prejudice against them, as you discussed in your podcast yesterday. My ancestors, the Irish, suffered from horrific racism for, for decades, if not centuries. Tragically, I, I think that's part of our fallen condition, this divisiveness of being against others, and sometimes it's because they're of a certain race. It's a sinful judgment, but a common one. So yes, I'm sure there are racists in America. That's, that's pretty obvious. I personally don't think there are many, but they're, they're present. I know hundreds of people, uh, but I, I'm not sure I know maybe one or two who would actually be racists. I've, but it goes, it goes every direction. I've met a few African-Americans who hate whites or at least fear them simply because they are white. I, meet, I've, I know many Koreans hate Chinese-Americans simply because they are Chinese. I know some Caribbean blacks and African blacks who are greatly prejudiced against African-Americans. So it's, it's not even as simple as the skin color. I mean, you think about it, it goes as far back as Moses' wife. You remember Moses' brother and his sister, Aaron and Miriam, were racist toward his wife because she was from a different race. And they didn't like that. So no race, sadly, is exempt from the sin of racism. Racism is not simply a white sin. It's a human sin. It's a part of the human fallen condition. My hero that I mentioned a few minutes ago, the black scholar Thomas Sewell, I'm reading a book of his right now, The Pursuit of Co Cosmic Justice. He's more optimistic about racism. And as a black, I have to listen to him. Racism, he says, is not dead, but it is on life support, kept alive by politicians, race hustlers, and people who get a sense of superiority by denouncing the others as racist, and we could, of course, say the mainstream media. But a bigger question is this. Is there 
systemic racism in America. Now, this is the common charge we're hearing. We're hearing apologies. I've gotten emails from some of my the seminaries I've gone to in the last two or three days, and they're all expressing condolences and apologies for systemic racism. And nobody's really thinking it through. What do you mean by systemic racism? And I've heard no clear, articulate voice on the leftist side explaining their evidence for systemic racism. I believe it's fairly easy to answer no. There is not systemic racism in America. Now, any country which has elected so many public officials, black officials and others from other races, I don't think can be considered systemically racist. I mean, think about it. The United States, over my objections, but over my, over my vote, but they elected a black president for two terms. I didn't vote against him because he was black, though. But actually, the interesting thing is African-Americans only, con only consist of 13% of the population. That means the majority of Americans of all races, and as I recall, even a majority of white evangelicals, voted for a black president. Now, why are we now apologizing for being a racist nation? I think we we've fairly demonstrated we're not. That is not systemic racism to have the leader of your country who's of a minority race. We have a number of U.S. senators and representatives from various races, including African-American. Actually, 18 mayors of majority white cities are black. Is that systemic racism? We have many police chiefs of major cities who are black. Is that systemic racism? We've had 26 black governors, and all those were in majority white states. Is that what you mean by systemic racism? I suppose every state legislature has various races among their members. But a more subtle question would be this. Are blacks treated in ways that may feel sometimes like systemic racism? Well, now that's an easier one to answer. I, I think the clear answer is yes. In your podcast yesterday, you told about our dear friend who is an African-American. She was scrutinized by the security officer at Dillard's. And then you explained that the security officer was black as well. And then that when you reproached the security officer for, for scrutinizing our friend so closely, she explained the reason why she's doing it was not because she was black, simply, but because 80% of all the shoplifting is done by black women. So is that racism or is it simply racial profiling or stereotyping? Here's our problem, and it's a heavy burden for law-abiding blacks to bear, but such a high percentage of crimes in the country are committed by blacks. Then sadly, the great majority of law-abiding black citizens have to carry the burden and are treated with suspicion as well because of the misdeeds of their brothers and sisters. I mean, you think about it, even this that great senator from South Carolina, U.S. Senator Tim Scott, Republican senator, he says he's frequently subjected to police scrutiny simply because he is black. That's tragic because the guy is an amazing man, successful and doing a wonderful work and a totally non-racist, but he's subjected to this scrutiny. That's a tragedy that outstanding moral, ethical citizens are treated with extra suspicion because of their race 
which is because of the crimes that have been committed by people of that race. Now, sadly, that kind of lumping together is very common. And it's not just when race is concerned. For instance, when I tell someone I'm an evangelical conservative Christian, I'm suddenly treated differently, often with suspicion and dislike. So it's an overgeneralization of people. I mean, that's nothing compared in the few times I'm willing to admit publicly that I'm a supporter of Trump. Whoa, then I'm really stereotyped. I'm an idiot. I have no sensibilities. I'm a racist. Lots of stereotyping going on. We stereotype because, we, because of what we think we know about that kind of person. And don't think any of us are above it. When you walk into a classroom or even a seminar and you see classmates who are Asian, you automatically assume, oh no, the grading curve is not in my favor because they, they, the Asians, are so good at math or science. And that's stereotyping, positive form, but that's stereotyping. So we need to be careful to separate racism, which is a sin, from simple but dangerous as well, stereotyping. Stereotyping is probably something that everybody in the world does. It doesn't make it right, but I don't think we can call all stereotyping racism. My, that is excellent. Well, we have time for one more question, Daryl. What can we do to unite this nation and speak truth into the lives of our family and friends and neighbors, our churches and communities? Does truth really make a difference? And if so, how? Well, I'm, I'm convinced that truth does make a difference. And of course, that's why you're doing these podcasts. That's why you're doing your blogs. That's why we and many others are engaged in trying to speak truth to our nation and to the world. But first, I would say that many white evangelicals need to quit virtue signaling and posturing, uh, saying things that cost them, them nothing, themselves nothing, and simply start treating others, including those of other races, those of other political persuasions, treating them with respect. Secondly, we need to search our own hearts and ask, am I truly loving my neighbor as myself? Of course, we need to resist the divisiveness and the racial obsession of the media and cultivate our own relationships and friendships across racial lines, across political lines. In truth, it seems so much easier for white Christians to do a Black Lives Matter hashtag or hashtag Blackout Tuesday Facebook spot. But my question would be, what are you doing personally intentionally engaging with others of different persuasions, different races, different perspectives to mitigate this misperception. For instance, are you choosing a neighborhood or a church based on whether they all look like you? If you're an employer, are you hiring across racial lines? Do you go to community activities where you will be with people who are different from you? That's, that's the real litmus. That's not some cheap free hashtag, but living it out. Here's how it looks. I know a young man, I know him very well, who was determined to take, when he graduated from university, he was determined not to take a teaching post in a, in a posh, affluent school district, which would have been his natural choice. 
But he was determined to teach in a non-white school. He was determined. Not because he was thought, but not because he thought he was some kind of savior or trying to be a hero, but because he wanted to know and be known to people different than himself. And he did it. And he did it wonderfully. And he's still connected to this day with students, with his students from that school. So you need to ask, each of us need to ask, how can I be a part of racial truth? Something that would cost me something. Can you volunteer for a literacy program in a public library, a mixed-race school, or a prison, teaching writing, reading, or giving them skills? Can you mentor some uh, young African-Americans or others in your community of different races? Can you deliberately cross those lines to connect with young people, to transmit to them the skills and the knowledge that you've been given in your life? Can you, how can you support black businesses? How can you just simply make connections? One summer when our kids were younger, we went to a different black church every Sunday during the summer. And never have we been treated more graciously or more welcomed. It was an intentional move on our part, both for ourselves but also for the kids to say, here's who we are. We worship not just with people of our color, but others who are in God's family who love Jesus as real and as authentically as we do. And that sends a message to your kids. It's a way to communicate to your kids, no, Jesus loves every person regardless of their race. So you have to start somewhere. And as you do it, it becomes real and it changes you and your perspective. So you have to be intentional. And it moves it from being the self-congratulating hashtag stage to actually building relationships, which is much harder. Now, we just had the doorbell ring, and our dog Mindy was quite startled. So that was an interesting conclusion to talking about racial reconciliation. But that's what I have to offer today, if that's okay with you, Terry. Oh, it was a good job, Daryl. Thank you so much. I'm sorry we didn't have our dog under control, but I was so intently listening to those last few comments as you gave us positive and um, practical applications to how we can live out ideas that say racism is not a part of my life. Yes. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us today on Truth Matters. I'm winded because I ran to the door, then I ran and got the dog, and, and uh, I'm out of shape. But here's the thing. When uh, I asked Daryl to come and speak with us, I did not know he was going to be so brilliant. Excellent job. So I just ask you to prayerfully consider Daryl coming back, especially when you talked about social justice warriors and social justice movement. Um, something just leapt in my heart, and I thought, oh, we have to have him back to discuss that topic. So I hope you'll join us again, and the next time maybe we could talk about the issues of social justice. Okay, thank you so much.
Thank you. Well, this has been Truth Matters with Terry McCarthy and Daryl McCarthy and Mindy McCarthy, yes. the Barker in the background. Thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll share, like, and uh, give us a thumbs up and maybe even subscribe to Truth Matters. And I will be talking to you tomorrow. Thank you.